0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Lincoln Journal Stars Life in the Red podcast. I'm Luke Mullen, joined by Amy Just once again. And today finally we're back in the studio. Not last my time. Bad,
1: yes. bad Wi-Fi connection from Aviva yes. Stadium. Whew. Last
0: time, last time we talked, you were in Dublin, I was in Lincoln. Um, and maybe we had a little more optimism about the season. A little bit. Yes, little than, bit. than we do now. So Today we'll get into it. We'll talk all things Northwestern, you know, break down that season opening loss. And of course, look ahead to the game against North Dakota this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about how the Huskers can recover. Uh, but first thing I want to hear from you, you know, we touched on it a little bit last time, but tell me a little bit more kind of about the, the Dublin experience. You know, what, what was just kind of the, the game day atmosphere that you got to see there?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, so the media tribunal, as they called it over there, I know, kind of weird, Um, was in the stands. like We didn't have a separate press box, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So we were out in the stands, very open air. Um, It was mostly Northwestern fans around us, which was a little jarring at first because the stadium was mostly Nebraska fans, but there were clusters of Northwestern fans around us. But it was it was electric, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know. It was mostly full, not completely, but mostly. And uh, once the tills went down uh, for concessions, uh, it was even crazier. When you know you tried to go out there and get like a water or soda or something, you're like, oh can't do that so
0: (laughs) yes the the free beer was the thing that you know caught the headlines and it's what landed you on (laughs) fox halftime show i know over over a million views on twitter if you haven't seen it yet just a short short video nine seconds of
1: me like panning the crowd for the beer line Mm -hmm. um and so like it was just the beer line so the way that concessions were there it was all like alcohol was like at one side and then everything else was at like your standard concessions on the other side so what took off was the free beer but it was free everything Mm -hmm. i was just showing the beer line as opposed to the food soda water and that line was super long too because i was hungry and wanted to get some food (laughs) Uh, but alas the line was too long for me to grab something. But yeah, it was like a halftime-esque line the entire time. Because I would periodically run down and like check on it just to see if there had been any progress made. And No, but still spanned the entire concourse, which was nuts.
0: Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, and that that definitely caught headlines before, before the game produced the headlines. And we'll get into that. But, you know, obviously there were a lot of Husker fans that went out there. You mm-hmm. know, the, the game didn't go their way. But I mean, just how will you remember the trip? You know, it's pretty unique playing a, a regular season game overseas.
1: Yeah, it was it was such a small world. Mm. Like, I ran into family friends when I was outside the Book of Kells at, at Trinity College's campus. You know, you'd run into people that, you know, recognized you, and it definitely felt... Like, we were in you know, Nebraska in just terms of the connection and all the Husker fans that were there. Obviously, we were in Ireland, but yeah. it just made it feel very much like home. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I know the result isn't what everybody wanted, but I had a good time.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, a, a very very unique setup and obviously uh, something that former athletic director Bill Moose, I mean, it took, it took a couple years, obviously, mm-hmm. to get all the logistics figured out. Now, you dug into some of the, the transportation stuff, but obviously, I mean, it was a huge ordeal from, mm-hmm. you know, hotels to passports to everything. So, good to, to finally see the other side of it, all those years of planning, and, and we come out the other end um, with the loss to Northwestern. So, let's, let's dig into it. Yep. Let's talk about the game a little bit. Um, and, you know, the first thing that, that comes to mind was it was a good start. I mean, it was genuinely a strong offensive performance that first drive in particular. Um, was really strong. Clean pocket. Casey was making all the right throws. And NU got up 14-3. to um, Again, in the second half, they got up big. Um, you know, we, we look at that insane pass to Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda. That was the big highlight for a mm-hmm. while, you know, the big talking point um, until things changed. And something else, you know, that kind of got overshadowed, too, was the fumble um, in the first yeah. half, which still pretty controversial. I think, you know, probably if it had been ruled down on the field, I think that would have stood too. Yep. It was just one of those things where the video replay angle wasn't wasn't really good enough to see the ball and the knee at the same time.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, going back, it's been a while since we've uh, watched some football, but the lingo with officials, if it stands, that just means that they don't have enough to confirm it or overturn it. That's just the way it is. If the call would have been confirmed, then okay they have mm-hmm. enough to prove that it actually was and then obviously if it was overturned then no enough in the other direction and i just think that was one of those things that even in the 21st century in the year of our lord 2022 we don't have <laughs> enough angles yeah. uh, to figure some of those things out and that just keeps the human element in the game whether it's good bad ugly or indifferent
0: yep never enough cameras there on the on the sideline nope, to let you know enough. what's going on um, but you know in in terms of that being a big momentum shift, I mean, Nebraska got the momentum right back. They were right there, start of the third quarter. Um, Anthony Grant scored a touchdown. Marcus Buford forces a fumble. One incomplete pass, one shot at the end zone. And the next play, Grant's in there, 46-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. 2018-17 Nebraska. I mean, 11-point lead. That's huge in the Big Ten in the second half. And then the onside kick. I mean, we we, we really got to talk about this because, obviously, it's – much the the turning point of the game yeah. and I mean the the question that everybody has is is why why call an onside kick up 11 in the second half
1: so after the game frost said that he wanted to be aggressive and that he wanted to continue with building that momentum you know if they would have gotten it he feels that they would have had a strong chance to win but I, I just I don't understand it's a 50-50 call at best. Let's say you do get it. You're at your, your own 44-ish yard line, right? It's still a long ways to go to score, mm-hmm. even to get either one of your kickers in good position for a field goal. Fine. But I just I don't understand because on the flip side, you don't get it. That gives Northwestern the momentum, all of it that you had built through going up by 11. It just it doesn't make sense to me. And I know that armchair quarterbacking it isn't going to solve the problem. But why there? Why in that position? Like it just doesn't make any sense. I saw a statistic from ESPN stats and information, the only two teams Last year, in the entirety of last year, uh, did an onside kick when they were in the lead, two. All year. And I don't remember what the results of those games were, but, yeah, it's not something that happens very often. And when it goes against your favor, it can be game-changing, and it was in this case.
0: Definitely. And, I mean, Frost's explanation that, you know, he was looking to kind of kill the game off. Well, I mean, there was, what, you know, 25 minutes of football left, I think— Regardless of what you do, there was still plenty of football left to be played, and making an aggressive move like that to, you know, kill the game off, for me, you know, it seems more like something you do with five, ten minutes left in the game, you know, going for a fourth down or something crazy like that, so, you know, to, to make the onside kick with the explanation that you're looking to kill the game off um, doesn't really hold a lot of weight to me. To me, kind of reading between the lines, you know, it, it makes you think, how much confidence did he really have in... You know, maybe in his defense to hold on to that lead, or you know, was he thinking the offense isn't going to be able to drive, you know, 80, 90 yards down the field if they need to? Uh, to me, it just feels like a move that you make if you're not confident you can hang on to that lead. You thought you thought they needed an even bigger lead than that, which you know, maybe maybe that's true because obviously they they didn't score from that point on. But again, things would have probably been a lot different if you just kicked that deep and let Northwestern try to go to work as they had the whole game. So. That was kind of the turning point, yeah, but...
1: It felt desperate. Yeah. It felt very desperate to me. And I know that Frost knows that he's on the hot seat, but he didn't need to make that call. Absolutely. And again, rehashing things that we can't change, but it just it didn't feel necessary. It didn't.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that was the big turning point. But at the same time, I mean, there were still opportunities for Nebraska.
1: Absolutely. Those,
0: those final 25 minutes of the game and the offense just really fell flat after that moment. Four punts, two interceptions to end the game. Um, The run game really went missing after that Grant touchdown. You know, when you're up, you know, and they they were up three for a little bit, uh, you really need to kind of control the clock there, Mm -hmm. get those guys, you know, making some first downs and, you know, just keeping the defense honest. But a lot of the handoffs handoffs off the middle, um, that was a topic later in the week. We'll get to that shortly. Um, But, you know, in, in terms of what Casey did too, I mean, he had such a great first half. Mm-hmm. You know, the offensive line probably didn't give give him the mm-hmm. exact same amount of time in the second. And that's where we saw the miscues coming in. He had that chance with Trey Palmer, that that deep shot down the field. Could have put them up 11 again. And, man, that would have been huge if he connected. But instead, we're looking at those two late interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the mistiming with Oliver Martin. You know, Thompson said on, on Tuesday that it was a case of Martin getting held. Couldn't really get his, his head around quick enough to see the ball. Um, he, he put it in a pretty good spot for him to catch it, but obviously the defender made a good play. And then, of course, the the game ceiling play, tip ball off Wyatt Lewer's hands, uh, ends as an interception. Really good throw, um, just a case of, of a drop pass, and there were a few of those on Saturday.
1: Yeah, there were like six or seven I would mm. consider drops, um, just not what you want. But again, some of those, it's not necessarily on Casey. Yeah some of them, you know, need to work on positioning a little bit, and he admitted that, but it's just something that comes with reps and time, and I've, I think they'll figure it out.
0: For sure, and on the defensive side of the ball, you know, not not just something we saw in the second half, I mean, all game long, the edge rush, you know, a, a group that maybe maybe I gotta acknowledge that I was wrong about them. Because, I was
1: very wrong yeah, about I mean,
0: that. I mean, going into the year, you'd have them pegged as perhaps the most talented, you know, may, maybe not the most depth, but a group that you would say they're going to make an impact and against northwestern zero sacks maybe i mean one or two quarterback hurries if anything it was
1: i saw. i counted one that i distinctly remember was you know oh garrett nelson was like right there yeah. but that's really the only one that i remember and but other than that minimal impact there on Helensky. Mm-hmm.
0: and what we heard from eric Schneider today mm-hmm. um in the press conference he was saying Northwestern had a really good plan to, you know, counter that four-man rush, you know, get the tight ends chipping on those defensive ends, get the ball out quick, which, you know, is all well and fair, but why didn't they blitz more? You know, why didn't they try some different defensive looks to counter that? You know, a lot of it goes down to these in-game adjustments, you know, something we've been looking to see both offensively and defensively, and that that really didn't happen against Northwestern. Uh, But obviously it, it wasn't just the edge rushers. The interior defensive line, I think, really played a very poor game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was kind of, I think, the catalyst for some of Northwestern's rushing success. You know, they, they got to that second level very quick, and then you have the inside linebackers trying to cover a lot of ground to make those tackles. You have the secondary making a lot of different run stops, which is obviously not, not what good. you want no. um, from your defense. So, I mean, I, I think that was kind of the the story of the game. Over 520 yards that Northwestern put up. Nice. Which again, this was a this was a team that averaged about seventeen points a game last year, and you know all, all of a sudden they're looking like a a top top offense. Which you know again, they might be much improved this year, but mm-hmm. a lot of it has to go down to some some miscues there on defense for Nebraska.
1: Yeah, and it's Northwestern. You know they're going to run the ball. You know they're going to run the ball, and yet here we are. It's uh, head scratching for Definitely. sure.
0: Definitely, and I, gu- I guess if we were looking at a positive, special teams was. Uh, not not the talking point other than that onside kick. Yeah, um, pretty solid regardless. I mean, punt kickoff coverage seemed to do the trick, and and Brian Buscini was kind of the standout there. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen a lot of shank punts. We've seen a lot of issues with that group, and super super consistent. I think all of his punts were forty five ish yards, which is is pretty much what you're looking for. Um, so that was that was a positive for sure. Um, but it, it kind of got overshadowed a little bit. Um, obviously, a little bit of controversy in the post game and. You know, should it be controversy? We'll see, but, you know, Scott Frost said, uh, we need to be more creative with the offensive play calling. Got to learn that in this league. And kind of the question was, you know, is that a dig at, at offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, who took on the play calling duties? Was he just talking about the run game? We got a little bit more clarity on Tuesday. Frost said, he didn't even really remember making those comments, which, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, but, He said it wasn't intended at Whipple. He said they have a great relationship. But at the same time, you still get the sense that, I mean, there's some stuff Frost would want to do with this offense, and there's stuff Whipple wants to do, and they're still trying to to kind of find the right balance there, aren't they?
1: Yeah. I, I have not been around a coach who puts his foot in his mouth as much as Scott Frost does. It is what it is, you know, having to clarify some stuff, not remembering what you say. Look. I get it, but I don't think he's wrong, but there are some things that just, yeah, we'll work on it. Yeah, absolutely. If there's a time to use a coaching cliche, (laughs) do it there, right? Like, again, armchair quarterback, but.
0: Definitely, but I mean, the the reason why he made, you know, a statement like that is is that the run game was so poor in the second Mm -hmm. half, and, you know, for me, it's like, last year obviously you had a different quarterback with adrian martinez a guy who's a lot better runner but we saw so much of the zone read you know the the option Mm -hmm. runs there against northwestern they just gashed him last year you get logan smothers in for one play in the fourth quarter picks up seven i mean one of the best running plays of the entire second half and you never see it again i mean Casey again was was asked on Tuesday about kind of running some of those quarterback runs, and he said, you know what, whatever they call, I'll go out there and run it, whether that's a a quarterback run or a pass. And you know, probably probably you know the offensive staff doesn't want you know Casey running the ball five, ten times a game. Um, But at the same time, you got to have if you have that package for Smothers, either you got to use it or you got to have Casey, um, you know, at least run one or two zone option reads just to keep the defense honest. Um, So that was pretty interesting to me that. We didn't see any of those, those offensive staples that were there last year.
1: Yeah, it's, it's head-scratching, isn't it? You, you wonder how much of that is Whipple bringing in his own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, maybe we'll see it more this week because um, matchups tend to be a little bit more in Nebraska's favor for some of that.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's a, a good point now that we've talked about Northwestern for a little bit. Let's move on to North Dakota. Um, obviously, a, a big game, two thirty kick here on Saturday in Lincoln. Um, FCS opponents, so really, you know, a, a game that you'd expect Nebraska to win by a couple touchdowns, but if history has shown us anything, that's a, that's never a guarantee, so a little bit of information about North Dakota, the, the team rolling in, running backs Isaiah Smith, Northern Iowa transfer uh, Tyler Hoosman, both those guys expect to be key parts of the offense, and when you're looking about North Dakota playing FBS teams, um, one win over an FBS team, Wyoming in 2015. Um, Last Power 5 game came in 2018, 45-3 loss for them at Washington. Obviously a a very strong program out there out west. Um, But, you know, new group of players compared to that. Quarterback Tommy Schuster seems to be a pretty good fit for that offense, one of the top quarterbacks in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, And one of the things that we saw on Tuesday as well, Scott Frost joking about playing close games because North Dakota had lost five games in FCS play By an average of four point six points per game last year, so Frost Shoney had a little bit of a sense of humor about it on Tuesday. He was saying, "I heard, I heard they've lost a lot of close games. Not sure how you can do that." So, (laughs) two two groups of teams in a pretty similar spot, Um, but you know, North Dakota obviously playing their first game of the year. You'd hope that you know having that Week Zero contest gets you more ready to play than they are.
1: You would think so. (laughs) You would think so, right? You know, you have, you know. That live tackling under your belt, regardless of how well it went, uh, you just you get the rust off. Because a lot of these guys hadn't played since, you know, November yeah. for some of the transfers, maybe December. But that's a long time in between games.
0: Definitely. So. And Casey said on Tuesday it was his first time actually getting hit, you know, since, what, week 10 or 11, whatever his last game was for Texas. Um, and, you know, obviously the quarterback gets, gets protected in practice. But for a lot of guys, I mean, it's not going to be the same thing. Game mm-hmm. speed and, and practice speed are a lot different. So getting that chance to be out there and, and you know, get up to the speed of the game um, will be really important. And it's it's time for our Husker Hot Topic now, uh, which obviously we, we saw a lot of disappointment among some different position groups last time. So let's say, you know, what what position group will show the most improvement against North Dakota?
1: So... We were talking before uh, recording, and I feel like we're both in the same vein. Um, So I'm going with running backs because I just feel like this is a game where they can show out a little bit more, again, against an undersized FCS defensive line. You know, they can fix some of the issues that they had last week. Um, Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going with.
0: Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on the running backs, too. Whether whether it's Anthony Grant, you know, getting the bulk of the carries, I think hopefully this is a, a week to see all these different guys because, you know, we, we saw the official depth chart come out and still the running back mix that had all all four of, of these running backs as co-starters um, listed, which is pretty interesting. And also, are we going to see Ramir Johnson? He he got a couple snaps on special teams, but seemed to get lost in the mix at, at running back or wide receiver. Um, you know, wherever they want to put him in that wide back designation. So I think this game, you know, we'll, we'll see how close it is. But either way, if if you're getting these guys in in the fourth quarter or if you're rotating them earlier, I agree. I think we'll see a lot more different running backs and hopefully that leads to some improvements there.
1: Including Gabe Irvin.
0: Yes. The guy, guy who did a lot of good last year. Um, mm-hmm. Again, didn't see the field, um, at least in terms of of getting a carry or a touch mm-hmm. offensively. So. We'll see that from the running backs. Yeah, and I, I might have stolen your answer when I went first. I'm saying it's you the did. edge rushers. You know, it's, it's those guys, Caleb Tanner, Garrett Nelson, Oshan Mathis in particular, um, who really did not do a whole lot in terms of rushing the quarterback. I think Oshan actually had a really good game in terms of, you know, sealing the edge and, you know, stopping mm-hmm. some of those runs from breaking um, even further. Uh, but really, those guys, they didn't get after the quarterback. They didn't, you know, make sure that uh, Northwestern didn't have enough time to throw against North Dakota. I think where we'll see that is obviously the offensive line is going to be a lot smaller. It's going to be, you know, not, not saying they're going to be small guys by any means, but you know, you're, you're comparing a a FBS, you know, power five, you know, big 10, these guys, they're ready to run the ball up there. Northwestern in North Dakota, they'll run the ball too. But again, you know, you, you have a different caliber of athlete, um, that you can get there on the O line. And I think, you know, the, the strength of this team, it should be edge rushers and now is their time to to really show up we've been waiting for Oshan, you know the big impact transfer he could have a big game garrett nelson obviously was very disappointed in his performance so he'll come out there fired up and what i'm interested to see as well is some of these depth edge rushers uh jamari butler is a guy i'm gonna yeah. have my eye on if he can get in there in the second half at all uh coaching staff seems to be pretty high on him as a guy that they're they're looking forward to seeing in the future
1: yeah and one thing that uh Eric Chinander talked about today is rotation. Yeah, you know, he talked about it with interior, but mm-hmm. I um, I'm also interested to see how that affects the edge rushers as well. Definitely,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, along the interior of the defense as well. I mean, it's worth it's worth noting. I mean, some of those guys were out there for, for 60, 70 snaps there against Northwestern, which is a long time when you're battling there in the trenches. So we'll see Devin Drew, Stefan Win, both those guys kind of in the the 20 snap range. You know, we'll see if they can boost that up. Um, at least early in the game. So that'll be interesting to see kind of the rotation there. But let's get into our score predictions and and say what what we're going to see from the team out there on Saturday. I'll go first with mine. I'm going with Nebraska 42, North Dakota 21. I think that's pretty similar to the spread. I haven't seen the exact numbers on it. Um, but I, I think, again, you know, I, I predicted a, a pretty good offensive performance last week, which was looking good in the first half, not so good in the second. Uh, but I think this week in particular, Casey Thompson, he's going to have his guys ready to go. He's built a great connection. You know, we saw Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda really pop off. Uh, Trey Palmer obviously had some big moments. We'll see if Vokalek, if he's back to full health, um, able to be out there in the same role. But I think offensively, I think 42 points. Again, probably, you know, maybe on the higher end, you know, if all things click and they can get some points up early in the first half and move on from there. But, you know, 21 for North Dakota as well. I think the defense should, should be solid, hopefully not let up, you know, some of those big plays, you know, the things that would keep a team like that in the game. Um, North Dakota, they'll have their moments. I think they'll score a couple times, but I'm going 42-21.
1: Yeah, I'm scaling it back a little bit from you. <laughs> fair enough, fair uh, enough. Because I, I predicted something outlandish last week, and it did not hold up. So we are, we're scaling it back a little bit. I'm going Nebraska 35, North Dakota 14. Uh, very similar mm-hmm. thought process as you, just Little less,
0: little less scoring. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we're kind of in that same twenty-point range. I think would would be a very good win if you're looking at fourteen points, ten points. Heck, even a, a seven-point win. I think you know the the panic is still going a little bit. And obviously, you know we'll, we'll see we'll see you next week with the with the full break at, breakdown. But you can never take anything for granted. North Dakota, they'll come out. You know they'll they'll give their best effort. They're they're looking you know maybe to make things worse. So. They're gonna they're gonna come out and give you a, give you a good game regardless. So that's what we're looking forward to see um, in this North Dakota game again, two thirty on Saturday here in Lincoln. Uh, we'll have all the coverage for you in the coming days. And thanks for sticking with us with uh, life in the red. You know, hope you enjoyed all the coverage from Ireland. But we'll be here in Lincoln for a couple weeks. We won't be out Thankfully. on the road <laughs> here <laughs> when, uh, for a
1: little bit. Three home games yes, in a row. That's right. It's gonna be nice.
0: So thank you all for for tuning in today, episode five. Looking at uh, I head to North Dakota, and like I said, we'll see you on Saturday. For Amy Just, I've been Luke Mullen. Thanks for listening.